welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Would you grab a Bible that should be in front of you? You didn't bring your own. If you have an app you like to use, that's fine. Just don't be texting other people while you're listening to the sermon, though. So. That's rude. But anyway, we're really glad you joined us today. But follow along, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, Paul mentions this mystery in this section, and the mystery that Paul is revealing, we'll talk about it a little bit later, it's about how the Bible is this unified story about God, our relationship to God, and how God wants us to relate to the world. And so what we see is the world is in turmoil, and maybe your inner world is in turmoil. We have a God who cares, a God who has a plan, a God who wants to speak uh, to you, a God who wants to cry with you. Uh, God who wants to sit with you in the midst of our struggles and our pains. We hope that you get a glimpse of this good God present with us today. This mystery that will be unfolding in some words, but the mystery is that the Holy Spirit himself is here and he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know that that you are loved. He wants you to know there's a purpose and a plan for your life. He wants you to know that your pains matter. So let's make our ears attentive to the Spirit who is here today. See, the mystery is that Paul writes in this church in Ephesus. He tells them this is an incredible story that's happening. And Paul's letter to the Ephesians is one of the finest books in the entire Bible. They're all amazing, but this one is incredible. And some people even say it's one of the finest documents in all of history, this little letter to Ephesus. Now, in just over 3,000 words, Paul, the apostle, he captures God's story by pointing to the grandeur, the glory, the majesty of God, and the riches that we have in Christ. So it points at the amazing God, and then it points how how amazing this is for you. Because if you're an heir, and he is amazing, you are the inheritor of these amazing riches. Now, five times in the book of Ephesians, Paul refers to the riches of God. And 12 times, Paul refers in Ephesians to the grace of God, and eight times to the glory of God. And the words that Pastor Reed Jolly mentioned last week, this phrase, in Christ, are mentioned 15 times in the letter to the Ephesians. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. For you to be in Christ is really important. It's an amazing idea that somehow that Christ is in you, but you are in him. I don't know exactly how that all works out. It just means that you are so intertwined with the Lord of the universe that it should make the way we live today matter, right? The Lord of the universe not only lives in you, but you live in him. Somehow the Holy Spirit lives in you, but somehow we're seated in the heavenly realms. We learned that two weeks ago with Christ. When you're in Christ, it means Christ is in you. You're intertwined with the eternal, glorious, beautiful one, and that should make the way that you spend your money matter and the way you treat your wife matter and the way you live out your singlehood matter and the way that you study matter because you are intertwined with the eternal one in Christ. It's unbelievable. Now, What we see is that Paul is marveling this first two chapters and extending into chapter three, marveling at the goodness of God, the Father that is made possible by God, the Son, and sustained by God, the Spirit. And so the story of God that we've been talking about is about how a good God has made us, a good God lives in us, and this good God is coming back for us. That's the story of Ephesians. 
and how we live until he returns, it matters. It's not a threat because look, you're secure in the Lord. If you know Jesus, if you confess him as Lord, you have the eternal God living in you and you have the security of knowing you'll be with him forever in this next life and in this life now. But guess what? Because of that reality, we should want to show his love and his goodness to the world. See, this mystery that Paul is talking about, he's saying, I get the privilege of unveiling this mystery, this good news. So today I'm going to share three things, if you're following along, from chapter 3. The first one is Paul's purpose. The second one is the church's purpose. And thirdly, it's Christ's purpose. First of all, Paul's purpose. Follow me to verse 1. Paul says this, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's pause there. Because what Paul is doing for the first time in this letter, he's acknowledging where he is writing this letter from, which I've said from the beginning, he's writing from prison. So just keep that in mind. Paul is encouraging others while he is in prison, possibly even chained to a Roman guard 24-7. Paul understood the oppression from tyranny. And he's encouraging us. Oh, man, I want to be like Paul. Because when problems come for me, I like to complain and whine and put comments on Facebook under an anonymous name. I do all kinds of stuff when I'm feeling threatened. Paul decides to encourage people. Man, there must be something different about him. He's focused on the Lord. And so we see Paul isn't mentioning this to get pity from them. He's Seeing this as an opportunity to encourage others, then in verse 2, he continues, he says this, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now, what is he talking about? Paul, actually, in, a, in another version of this section, the, it, the word commission is used because Paul speaks of God's commissioning of him to bring the message of God's grace. Now, listen to this, specifically to the Ephesians. And who were the Ephesians? They were non-Jews. Paul is a Jew, and he grew up believing that his Jewish God, the one true God, only had favor on the Jewish people. And what Paul is saying is, this amazing thing got revealed to me, because he met Jesus in a bright light on a road, okay? And he says, this amazing thing got revealed to me that God wants everyone to know him, not just Jewish people. That, and I've been commissioned to go to all the non-Jews to tell them the good news. Now, and Paul's getting thrown in jail for this, and he's losing money because of this, but he's like, I have the privilege to be commissioned. The exact word in the Greek language is the oikonomos. The commission refers to one who's been entrusted to be the own, to the manager of the affairs for the owner, as a steward of the estate. And so what Paul does, he sees himself as one who is accountable to God to fulfill his calling to manage the things that God has given to him on this earth. Well, guess what? That's every Christian's responsibility. God has given you your personality and has given you maybe for some of you education. Some of you might own a car. Some of you are renting a great apartment. Some of you have language skills or cooking skills or fundraising skills or friendliness skills. Well, guess what? God's the good giver of all those gifts. And you have a wonderful opportunity and responsibility to use that for God, not just for yourself. See, Paul says, I've been commissioned. Well, guess what? So have you. If you know Jesus, you've been commissioned to spread his love by being you. And there's all these beautiful things that God has put in you that he can use. 
And God is even leading Paul to do this. Paul even sees his painful situation as an opportunity to extend the gospel. And some scholars even think, if Paul wasn't thrown in prison, would he have had time to write all of these letters that we're reading now? And Paul's saying, I don't know why I'm in prison, but may God use it for his glory. So Paul sees himself as one accountable to God to fulfill his calling, to use all his gifts, his personality, his resources, his assets. But he's also saying, God, use my pain for your glory. Because Paul sees his pain as a platform to fulfill God's purposes. And so can you. God, you use my pain even for your purposes. See, that's not how I naturally want to think about my pain. I'm going to think about it as a reason to get back at them and show them how great I've made it, right? That's, you think that's, a, they think that's the spirit of God in me? No, no, no. That's the human flesh in me. I want to show people who've caused pain in my life or show, even get revenge against so-and-so or get revenge against that nation. That's not the spirit of God. Spirit of God, Lord, use this limitation, this pain as a platform to fulfill your purpose. See, with God, our pain doesn't define us, but it can propel us even into opportunities for God's goodness to be revealed. And so we're praying for our friends in the Ukraine, and we're praying for the thousands of Russian protesters who are now being thrown in jail and whose lives are threatened for simply saying, peace. I hope you're praying for Russians. I hope you are. There are thousands, millions, probably, who want this war to end. Probably the majority of them. But can they say that publicly? No. But some are. Let's pray for them. With God, our pain isn't defined us, but it can propel us, but only with the Spirit of God within us. Otherwise, pains do become a prison. Pains become bitterness. I mean, without Jesus, all your pain just becomes really bad in your life. Verses three through six, follow me there. It says this in verse three how this mystery was made known to me by revelation. He's talking about God, directly speaking to Paul. As I've written about briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. There's that word again. Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. In the past, as it is now in the present, has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And Paul's saying, and I'm one of them. This great mystery. In some ways, he's saying, I'm sorry, I used to think that the salvation was only for the Jews, but I was wrong. God directly told me it's for the entire planet. All you need to do is put your faith in Christ and you get to be in God's forever family. So this is the mystery, this incredible mystery. Now he's using a certain word for the Ephesians because these Ephesians who were former pagans, people who did not follow Jesus, didn't follow the one true God, um, they were into mysteries. They worship other gods and goddesses. They made sacrifices at temples, at temples that had prostitutes, and they engage in certain kinds of acts in order to appease these gods, to try to get their business to improve, or to make their wife love them more, to get their kids to be successful. They did all kinds of things to try to get these mysteries and gods and goddesses on their side. The Ephesians knew exactly what he was talking about. And then Paul takes the word and he twists it and he says, no, 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 it's the mystery of God that you need. And the mystery of God is this, no, those god and goddesses, those amulets, those black magic things, none of that will work for good. It will lead you astray into darkness. But the mystery of God's love for you revealed uniquely through Jesus Christ. And for our ears today, not through Buddha, 
not through Muhammad, not through that tree, not through that crystal, not through atheism, through Jesus Christ, the one and only. He's with us here today. The mystery is God's plan for all the ages that Yahweh brings salvation, not only to one specific ethnic group, but for even Chinese American people and Hungarians and all of you mutts out there who don't know what mix you are. Wonderful. Love it. I thought I was a mix. I thought I was actually Filipino and Chinese. I took that DNA test. I'm like 99% Chinese. My wife was like, that's so boring. You know, she was like excited. I was just at the car dealer the other day and a guy, Filipino guy comes up, worker. He's like, you Filipino man? I'm like, no, everyone thinks I'm Filipino. So I was convinced I was Filipino, but God bless you Filipinos listening. Okay. God loves even Americans. Isn't that amazing? And Russians. And he loves Ukrainians and people in Papua New Guinea. The mystery. God's salvation is for all. Verse 7. Of this gospel, this mysterious gospel of good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though, on the very least of all the saints, his grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the Chinese, the Russians, the Ukrainians, the non-Jews. I was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. I want you to notice this, that Paul humbly emphasizes his commission. He's a servant, he says. I'm the least of all the saints. Man, all of us are servants. (laughs) All of us. That's our one job description on planet Earth to use our little short life to bless others, to glorify God, and have fun doing it. But it is fun to serve God and to enjoy it. Again, you're a cook, you're a plumber, you're an accountant, you're an artist, you're a stay-at-home parent, you're a student. Use it all for the glory of God. Paul's job sees himself as this, to make sure the inheritance announcement gets to all the people of God that he intends for people of all walks of life. There was a time when the, the message of salvation, even in America, was only for like the upstanding citizens. Oh no, that's not the gospel. It's for everyone, all colors, all backgrounds, all nationalities, all socioeconomic levels. It's for all. Actually, in verse 6, we go back there. Paul outlines three things. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are first fellow heirs, secondly, members of the same body, and third, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He wants them to know that those who thought they were outsiders, you are now insiders. Paul is leaving no doubt that God has fully included them into the family of God, which was once exclusively one nationality, one nation. No, it's all of you. That's good news because heaven's going to be super diverse. It's going to be like Costco. You ever been on the Costco? Everyone's at Costco. Every color, age, every... Every political party, I mean, everyone's looking for a deal, right? I'm telling you, there's a good deal in heaven. You're all welcome through Jesus. Everyone's welcome because we're all sinners. We're all in need of grace. 
See, Paul is leaving no doubt that in Christ, this new unique family called the church, the body of Christ, that we all can get along. Even Biden and Trump supporters are supposed to get along in your Bible studies. (gasps) Democrats and Republicans should be loving each other in Christ. Pro-mask and anti-maskers. Oakland A's fans and San Francisco giant fan. Can you, even them. UCLA and SC. That's in my home. We're a divided home. I'm the Bruin. She's the Trojan. And my UCLA Bruins won. But because of in Christ, I don't rub it in that we won. I don't even mention it that we won last night. I don't even allude to it that we won. So can we all get along? Verse 10, follow me there. It says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Remember that phrase, rulers and authorities. Now, I talked about first Paul's purpose and then talked about now the church's purpose in verse 10. See, the church's purpose, did you notice in verse 10, it is to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. That is the church's purpose. And the unique thing is this. He says to the rulers and the authorities. Now, this could be referring to the evil forces that the ancients believed lived and ruled in the skies that affected the earthly realms. Imagine Paul is chained in a Roman prison, right, with a Roman guard. He's living under the tyranny of evil. But there's evil forces impacting the evil earthly leaders as well. I prayed even last week. I said, God, restrain the evil in Putin's intentions. Please restrain him. Now, I know we don't see a lot of good news that God is restraining him. But for all we know, God has restrained him from even worse things, right? I mean, they're shooting things at nuclear reactors. This is nuts. Crazy what they're doing. Lord, restrain the evil in his heart. About also praying, Lord, restrain the Ukrainians from retaliation. Restrain them, because guess what? There are Russian soldiers surrendering. And thank God, I've seen at least a couple clips of Ukrainians feeding them, giving them water, saying, you shouldn't be here. Some of them are saying, I don't need, where am I? You're in Ukraine. <laughs> You're shooting civilians. Some don't even know why they're fighting. Lord, restrain the evil of the situation is what we're praying for, right? See, God's glory is is an affront to the evil powers on earth and in the spirit realm. When you have Christians showing grace to enemies, God's glory is revealed to the evil powers. But here's the thing. Some scholars think that these rulers and authorities that Paul is referring to actually are not just these evil powers, but even to the angels in heaven. That the angels in heaven are witnesses to the church's response and faithfulness on, on earth. That actually is talking about the angels seeing what we're doing, which is amazing. That God's angelic beings in heaven are the witnesses of the glory of God revealed through the church. Well, who's the church? Well, that's us. The way that we worship, the way that we love each other, the way that we give of our resources, it gives glory to God. And the witnesses are the angels in heaven. Wow. So that means that what we're doing right now as we gather in church in Christ, it's on display in the heavenly realms for the angels to witness. 
So that means you better put your iPhone away because you're texting your friend right now because the angels are watching, right? Okay. So now the Bible says the angels are paying attention to God's children. Man, that should be an encouragement to us. That the angels see the glory of God as a church, as we gather, as we grow together, as we go into the world. The angels are witnessing our response. And Paul says the church's purpose is to glorify God for the angels to see. Wow. Amazing. The spiritual realms are paying attention to what we do. And they're paying attention to what we fail to do as well. We've discussed Paul's purpose, the church's purpose. Now we're going to talk about God's purpose. Look at verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We see God's eternal purpose was to send his son on a rescue mission so that through Christ's death, anyone who put their faith in him would find life. And that's life not just for today, but life for eternity with God in Christ. Amen. God's eternal purpose. That's God's purpose. Why we're doing this whole church thing. It's not just to be religious. That means nothing. Oh, that we would be in him, that he would be in us, that we would know the forever love of God revealed in Christ. See, God's purpose is that God, he wants to show his unearnable, unlosable love through his body, the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church made up of Jews and Gentiles, made up of blacks and whites, made up of Republicans and Democrats. And you see, we realize that Christ died for the sins of both Ukrainians and Russians. And the body of Christ should be a revelation to the world and to the heavenly realms of God's purposes. You know, through many tears, I saw this picture of Ukrainian and Russian Christians in Kansas City this past week. They prayed together for peace, cried together, worshiped the Lord together. They prayed for God to use this tragedy somehow to release some goodness in this terrible, horrible situation. And Russians and Ukrainians gathering, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. And Americans gathering and saying our citizenship is in heaven. And there are Christians in China, some of them in secret, who know their citizenship is in heaven. See, Paul says the church is to be a shining example of how Christ breaks down the barriers, bringing all of us sinners together, giving us the power to forgive each other. Because Jesus says this, freely you have received, now freely give. Christ is saying, I've forgiven you. Who do you refuse to forgive? I've laid down my life for you. Who can you serve in my name? See, Paul's purpose was to bring this mystery of God's plan to to call to himself a people of all nations. That's the mystery. And then the church's purpose is to display the glory of God through our words and actions. And God's purpose is for all who would call upon the name of Lord Jesus that we would know that he has come in, that we're in his forever family. He makes his home in us as we make our home in him. Look at verse 13 with me. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, 
which is your glory. I just want to end with this thought. The powerful Romans had Paul under house arrest, possibly chained to a guard 24-7. And here's Paul encouraging them. Here is Paul saying, I want you to know to not lose heart. He's saying, I'm not losing heart. I'm in prison. Under the tyranny of the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire that the world has ever known, at least at that time, because empires come and go. And he says, I'm not losing heart. How about you? God's going to use this for his glory. And so I'm just going to simply ask you, Paul wants him to focus on God's past faithfulness and God's future promises, and that word is for you. So have the events of the world recently caused you to lose heart? Paul, by the Spirit speaking through me today and what we're doing today by the Spirit, don't lose heart. If you know Christ, don't lose heart. And if you don't know Christ yet, you need to know Christ because you don't have the resources of the eternal God, this forever love, this perfect God. He was offering himself to you. Have the events of this world caused you to lose heart? Let me ask you even more personally, has some setback in your personal life caused you to lose heart? Do not lose heart because Christ in you. President Zelensky of Ukraine has been showing incredible courage as he faces the onslaught from Putin. He's inspiring people to not lose heart. And we all know, perhaps, that Ukrainian and Russian Christians are praying for a miracle of peace. A reporter recently asked a Ukrainian father how he's handling the Russian invasion, especially since he has a five-year-old son he's taking care of. And he says, it's an anxious time, but we do not lose heart. Same phrase. This father told his five-year-old to pack up the most important things in preparation to flee from the evading Russians. And so this is what he packed. So my question is this, if that were you, what would you pack? If you had to pack up the essentials, the most important things, because you might not have anything else with you, what would you pack? I hope you take Christ with you if you don't know Christ yet. And here's the good news. If you do know Christ, he goes with you wherever you go. You know, when you face dire circumstances, the important things in life get really clear. Some of you are experiencing incredible clarity the last two weeks. Wow, what if I had bombs coming down on me? What would I do? What if I lost my home? What if I lost family members? What if I had enemies attacking me? What would I do? Paul says, do not lose heart. And Jesus says the same. He says this in John 16, In me, you may have peace, because in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Same phrase. Do not lose heart. For I, Jesus, has, have overcome the world. Don't lose heart, Jesus says, because of me. You need Jesus if you don't want to lose heart. I'm telling you, there's going to be another superpower. There's going to be another virus. I'm, t- I'm sorry to break the news. There's another virus coming at some point. There's another war that's going to break out. There's going to be another stock market crash. At some point, do you have Jesus? He's the only thing that's constant that will be in your life. You know, a couple weeks ago, I took a hike in Point Lobos, Katie and I, with some friends, and they're here today. And these friends have been coming to church the last uh, few months, exploring what does it mean to follow Jesus. 
been answering questions for the last few months. So as we're on this hike, we're having this conversation. We're talking about God and the beauty of God that we can see and who made this and what does it mean to follow Jesus and all these great questions about the future life and now and peace and are we supposed to feel something, whatever it would be. And, and I said, you know, you don't have to have all your questions answered before you follow Jesus. It's okay to still have questions. And I said this, I said, you know, Jesus in the Bible says this to everyone. He says, come follow me. And then I said, so what's your answer? And I said, well, well yes. <laughs> well, well, good, let's pray. So we just prayed on the spot in Point Lobos on a hike. Pray for Jesus to come in. We thank Jesus for making his forever home for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Isn't that good news? In the midst of trials of all kind, God is still at work. And so I want to remind you this. In Luke 15, 10, we're going to end this in this way. It says this, Jesus says the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. And that means this, that God in heaven throws a party with the angels when you choose to follow Christ. Now in our family, we have um, special ways we celebrate. We celebrate spiritual birthdays. And so we actually treat it like a real birthday. We have a birthday hat. And Grace and my daughter Grace even made a birth fake birthday cake. And so we have like cake, we have a dinner, and we go out, there's a gift for their spiritual birthday. We treat it like a whole big thing, right? And I thought it'd be fun for us to reenact the angel in heaven who threw a party when our two friends who are here today gave their life to Jesus and the hike in Point Lobos because they celebrated. So we're going to sing happy birthday, happy spiritual birthday to our friends. I'm going to keep their names anonymous for now, okay? And then we're going to celebrate like the angels in heaven, right? Does that sound good? So let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear anonymous brother, sister in Christ who's here today. Happy birthday to you. And then the angels in heaven probably applauded and they screamed and they said, yes, this is great news. Two more in the family of God. And I can't think of a better way for us to enter into this time of communion because there's a God who this mystery has been revealed that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord are in the family of God. Oh, let's remember this good Jesus who's preparing us to remember his sacrifice. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truth that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. And Jesus, we want to remember your encouragement for us to not lose heart, that your promises are true, your promises of your presence, the promises of your peace. Lord, thank you so much. But as we come into this time, we come before you also confessing. We confess that we often do not see ourselves as servants. We confess that we often do not see our life as short. We confess that we hoard resources for our own glory instead of yours. And so, Lord, in this moment of silence, we confess silently to you the ways that we sin. Lord, hear us now as we pray. Oh, Lord, the list can go on and on and on. We thank you for your promise of your scriptures where if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, when you took the cross, 
You absorbed our sin. When we rose again, you offered us forgiveness, your very own righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for pardoning us from the debt that we owed. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.